It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's another fortnightly episode of War Starts at Midnight. I'm Hunter Cates. And I'm Chris Gallagher. On today's show, we're reviewing the newest superhero flick by visionary director Zack Snyder, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Then in special features, we will discuss how tentpole blockbusters are clogging the calendar during endless summer. Is this a good thing or a cause for computer-generated indignation? And finally, we'll wrap up the show as we always do with some really rad recommendations. But first... So Chris, whenever you saw Batman v Superman... Were you hoping that during Superman's flying scenes there was like a rush of wind past your face? Or maybe while Batman was in the Batcave you could smell the guano surrounding you? <laughs> Is that what this experience was missing? That It, it was certainly missing that. Yeah. <laughs> the guano smell? Well, then you're in luck because there is a new theater called 4DX, which you actually know more about. So I'm going to use this as a transition okay. to pass off to you, uh, which wow. we might call the guano, the guano effect. So it's, it's not actually a theater per se. It is a like theater experience, I guess. And they've been, from what I understand, they've been around in, I believe, Asia for at least a few years. First one uh, in the United States was just installed in a theater in, I believe, Los Angeles. And uh, there's a there's a slash film article by Peter Serretta that we'll link to in the show notes where Peter and uh, a buddy went and actually experienced this XD or this 4X experience. Excuse me. It's it's sort of like, are you do you know what D box is? I have not. Uh, is that is that was that the composer of this movie, Batman v Superman? It was, his name is <laughs> D box XL Junkie. Uh, a whole completely other, different completely thing. different um d box like it's there there are some theaters i in in the u.s that have these d box seats where you pay a little extra and you get a seat, seat that sort of vibrates when uh when things happen the so nintendo 64 rumble pack it's, of movie it the rumble pack. and this this takes it to a whole nother level where it's like it's supposed to be a full um immersive experience like it's almost like you know when you go to like universal studios or uh, Disneyland, Disney World, and you get in the the little ride where the the seat moves, and mm-hmm. there's all sorts of it's that plus smells and water and lights and all sorts of other extra sensory things that I I just don't know why you would want to put yourself through this. It, well, it, it's getting to the point where it's ceasing to be a motion picture. It's ceasing to be a movie that you just go and watch and start and just be an onslaught of sensory overload yeah and well and that's that's exactly like what my i'm glad you feel this way because i feel this way as well like at its core cinema is moving images juxtaposed to each other on screen with story and narrative and characters and that's all you should really need in my opinion. Well, let's back the truck up because just just you know to, to generate some you know devil's advocacy here are we being too narrow in our definition? Because consider sound. A lot of people were upset about films becoming sound. A lot of people were upset about color. Do you think that this is just us? Being- wait, 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 wait. Can, can you cite me like three people who were upset about color right now? I'll, I'll look up something <laughs> later, but but definitely sound. Certainly check, sound. Check so, the show notes. Folks. So, um, but to that point, do you think that this is just us being curmudgeons and they're actually, this is the natural evolution of film going? No, I don't think so. And I think, I mean, there's, so this is something I've been thinking about, you know, as particularly as an editor quite a bit lately, because, you know, VR is coming into, um, into fashion right. now and we'll see. You know, I'm sure in a few years we'll know whether that's gone the way of the 3D TV or is actually here to to stay. I, I imagine it'll be here to stay in some format, but I don't know for, you know, for cinema, for uh, that sort of thing, if if it's really going to catch on because it's going to completely change the grammar of 
how you experience a quote unquote movie. It's going to change the grammar, but also you're not going to be really it's it's going to be less about story and more about just what you're feeling and sensing. Yeah, because you exactly. can't really pay attention to the story whenever you ha- you're being buffeted by rain. And and here's my problem with the 4X experience thing is like you go on like a Harry Potter ride and it lasts 15 minutes maybe i don't i don't even know but it it lasts you know a few minutes you go on the batman v superman 4x experience that's two and a half hours of your body being jostled around it might literally kill people it, it, it might it, might literally kill them it's just and there's one of my favorite things from just like their um peter Soretta's you know experience of it was the photo of did you notice the photo of the like water on or off yes who 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 turns it on? Honestly, if I were there, I would just turn it all on. You know what I mean? I mean, you're there, experience it. No. What the? But oh, okay, man. now again, playing devil's advocate here. Naturally, these are going to be played with big blockbuster movies. I yeah. think the first one was Transformers: Age of Extinction. They did this with. So I'm curious, how would you feel about these being done to indie movies? For instance, well, into the tour, I was thinking into the tour, maybe like a marijuana smell whenever they're hanging out. Just a false <laughs> you, you can turn it on and off depending on how high you want David Foster Wallace to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the contact high effect. You have a little knob for, for how much of a contact high you want. No, like the, I mean, honestly, the place where as far as like indie movies goes that I think this could potentially maybe be sort of interesting. I'm still not on board is horror movies. Like. You know, a little the the tingler. Yeah, you, are you, you familiar well, with tingler? Uh, is that it? Sounds familiar, but why don't it, you go and remind it, us it's all? It's uh, uh, Price, um, Vincent Price. Vincent Price. There's. I'm going to put this in the show notes too. The trailer for the tingler, which was like one of these um, gimmicky, you know, around the time of original 3D and all of that. Um, this like everyone look out for the tingler and scream as loud as you can because it keeps the tingler away, but it is loose in the theater right now. But imagine Vincent Price is saying it. So it's way more flamboyant. That doesn't um, sound like where our culture should be going is being tingled in a movie theater. <laughs> that's, that's the complete opposite of where we should be yeah, going. I mean, in some, <laughs> I mean, in some subcultures. Um, but so assuming this is, does go mainstream and it is for horror movies, I already have a tagline for it. Okay. Live deliciously. (laughs) (laughs) Get the tingler and live deliciously with 4X. Um, it'll change the world. But in the meantime, Chris and I didn't get to experience, uh, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice in this format. But it was. In the fourth dimension. In the fourth dimension. But yeah, I mean, I still feel like we saw it in quite a few dimensions. The, what we saw it in was enough dimensions. I'll say that. Yeah. You know, the more dimensions in some places than others. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Quick, quick tease. Yes. It'll be a very tingly tease. (laughs) Well, folks, um, tell us how you feel about the potential of watching a film in the fourth dimension. Just drop us a line at hello at war starts at midnight.com we promise it will not tingle in the meantime stick around for our review of batman v superman dawn of justice who's that you must be new that is bruce wayne mr wayne clark kent daily planet what's your position on the bat vigilante in gotham Civil liberties are being trampled on in your city. People living in fear. He thinks he's above the law. The Daily Planet criticizing those who think they're above the laws. Oh, hypocritical. What'd you say? Considering every time your hero saves a cat out of a tree, you read a puff piece editorial about an alien. You could burn the whole place down. Most of the world doesn't share your opinion, Mr. Wayne. 
Maybe it's Gotham City in me. We just have a bad history with freaks dressed like clowns. Boys! Mm. Bruce Wayne meets Clark Kent. I love it. I love bringing people together. How are we? Lex. Hi, hello. Lex, it is a pleasure. Ow, wow, that is a good grip. You should not pick a fight with this person. In 2013, Zack Snyder left audiences and Metropolis in a wake of destruction with the conclusion of his Superman origin story, Man of Steel. Now, he's picking up the pieces and attempting to assemble the Justice League in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Contrary to the title, this film fails to deliver on any courtroom deliberation. It actually begins deep in the third act of its predecessor. Bruce Wayne jumps out of a still-landing helicopter, races to a conveniently placed jeep, and bullishly drives towards downtown Metropolis as Superman and Zod try their damnedest to level everything in sight. Witnessing the last son of Krypton's reckless destruction and utter lack of awareness for civilian casualties leads Bruce Wayne and his alter ego Batman on a righteous mission to stop the Metropolis Marvel before his reign of do-goodery harms any more innocent people. While Wayne's hanging out in the Batcave, doing detective stuff and lifting weights, Lex Luthor's waxing poetic about power, gods, and jars full of piss. You mean Granny Sweet Peach Tea. He's also meticulously orchestrating all kinds of chaos behind the scenes. In addition to following up plots from Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice introduces a few new arcs, namely the aforementioned Dawn of Justice, which is to say the spark in the formation of the Justice League movie DC and Warner Brothers so desperately want to make. Hunter, I'm curious. Zack Snyder currently holds the keys to the DC cinematic universe. Judging by the trajectory he's laid out in Batman v Superman, how do you feel about DC's future prospects? And speaking of prospects, we all know you've been dreading the sight of Affleck and the cape and cowl. Does Batman v Superman provide any hope in his upcoming appearances in Suicide Squad and his standalone Batman flick? You know, Chris, consistent with this film, it's kind of hard for me to know where to begin. So I'm just going to throw everything out there and see what sticks and hope, hope oh, people okay. can make heads or tails of it. Um, Midnight Warriors, everything that you've already read about this film, assuming you haven't already seen it, but everything you've read about this film is absolutely positively true. It is kind of cool, but it's grim. It's pretty joyless. There's not a whole lot of fun to be had. It's a very, very strange movie-going experience. And so I was trying to think of something that I could say that hasn't been said before. And so I'm actually going to borrow something from somebody else, which I think sums up kind of my issues with this series as a whole. My girlfriend's grandmother had been seeing the previews for Batman v Superman. She's a 60-something-year-old uh, little old lady. Sweet little old lady. is, And she just doesn't understand why Batman and Superman are fighting. <laughs> and so finally, after seeing it, my girlfriend explained to her why they are fighting. And she was so disturbed by this, she just said, Well, that's, that's not the superheroes we grew up with. And I think that, more than anything, sums up my issue with the direction of this DC Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. Is... It feels like it's I'll preface this by saying that if I were 13 years old, I would really, really like this movie. I think it's the greatest movie of all time. And I think that sums up what's going on here. He is, this is a movie made for 13 year old boys made by a 13 year old boy. <laughs> and if you are 13 years old and a male, you'll think this is the coolest thing ever. But if you don't fit into that 
narrow, actually very large cohort, apparently, when you look at the box office grosses. If you are not a 13-year-old boy, you're you're going to be very disturbed by this. And I mean that literally disturbed. Okay, before I give my uh, my opinion, do you what, just tell me how do you feel about Batfleck? About Batfleck? Yeah. Um, it's actually, this is probably not going to be all that exciting. Just go back to the article I wrote. We can link it in the show notes. I, I think I was kind of, I was accurate there. He does a good job. He does what he's supposed to do, but it's still Ben Affleck in a bad suit. Okay. okay. You know what I mean? No, nothing more, nothing less. So I, I'm going to disagree with you on your just broad arching take on there's not like, a lot, like I, you know, I kind of enjoyed this movie and that's, let me, let me, um, frame this before I tear everything apart. Um, Man of Steel was a joyless movie for me. It is a movie. I went in with zero expectations because um, I just, I don't know. Zack Snyder is the type of guy that I remember seeing like 300 when I was in, you know, maybe early college and coming out of it, like wouldn't saw it with a bunch of friends coming out and we're like, Oh gosh, that was great. And then it was like a couple weeks later, it was like, why, why, why was I so into this movie? Um, you know, it kind of it, it just evaporated. The tingle had worn off. You the, might the say. tingle had worn off. Um, and so I, by the time Man Man of Steel came out, I was like not even in the like Zack Snyder camp anymore. And I reluctantly watched it on TV, like thinking, like, okay, this is the type of movie that I I am prone to hate. So I'm just going to go in with like expectations of having fun, and I didn't have any fun. Right. Um, I had some fun here, but. There's so many problems with just the way everything is laid out from a like, like, honestly, I think the story at the core of this is and and by at the core, I mean, like Lex Luthor's plan and, and all of that um, or Luthor. I, I don't know if I'm going to send, send me hate mail for yeah. calling him Luthor. Um, it's Mark Lutherberg, I think, is <laughs> what they were going for. Um, actually we, we can get it. I can drop some factoids for you in a little bit, um, on, on that. But, uh, that, that story, that idea is not bad. Like him, you know, masterminding all of, all of this stuff to happen. The problem is they choose the most boring way possible to tell this story in, and, and on, on all the levels, on the level of Batman and Superman coming together to fight each other on the level of the justice league forming, like Everything kind of seems like, even though, you know, it, it seems like the type of thing where Zack Snyder could see in his mind all the moving parts that came together and David S. Goyer could see all the moving parts that came together, but they couldn't like step back and say, does it make any sense? Is it a good story? Right. It's, um, or is it being told well? The, the big criticism of Zack Snyder's Watchmen is it was very, very loyal to the comic book, but it just kind of lacked an it factor. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that this movie, to your point, is it does feel like that he was referencing a comic book, a really he, great, well, he's, great he's, comic book. He's, he's referencing several comic well, books. Well, he's doing several but i mean like he it's literally there's a batman v superman dawn of justice comic book that's longer and better and more thorough it's like he's using that but then it's a Zack snyder representation of mm -hmm. it so it's going to have issues but see it doesn't even have the so watchman is a movie that i i actually recently tried to to rewatch like boning up for this i couldn't get through the whole thing it was the director's cut it's three hours but it like the whole time i'm watching it's it's a very pretty movie and we can get into that in a little bit. Like this movie is not a pretty movie at all. Like there's now, do you mean content or just the look? The look like there's no eye candy to this. Um, I I feel you may you may disagree with me. Yeah. Um, like, but Watchmen 
I it's visually interesting, even if it is totally uh, just borrowing from the comic. It's it's visually interesting. The action, even though it's the speed rampy thing, which you know he kind of introduced as an action trope that was way overdone. Like I still kind of like the way that he handles it in in several places in Watchmen, but um, it's it's still a movie that just is is difficult to uh, to, for me to, for, to get through, all I want to do is like when I'm watching it, I'm just thinking like, Oh, I should really go back and reread Watchmen again. And with this, I didn't even have that. Like there wasn't even something where it was like, Oh, Hey, remember how good, uh, the dark Knight returns was and, and, you know, him fighting Superman. It was just sort of like, it's just this gray, like, uh, like, the, yeah, they what they did is they went into a comic book shop, shop, ripped a bunch of pages out, and then hastily taped them together. Mm-hmm. And then that's the comic book they referenced. And it's just this shoddily put together taped uh, comic book. So I'll ask you uh, your own question. Since Zack Snyder is part John Favreau, he's part Joss Whedon, he's part Kevin Feige, he's, he's almost all of the above. There really isn't anyone in charge, and he's just in charge de facto. How do you feel about where this is going? Um, and why do you think it's going there? I, that's a whole other question that I don't even like, I don't even have an answer to. I'm, I'm not too optimistic right now. I think, I mean, because you're, you're listing off, you know, directors initially and then, and then Kevin Feige. I think Kevin Feige is the glue that holds the Marvel right. universe together, really. I mean, he is a producer with a vision. Um, you look at Zack Snyder's credits, he's not like, He's not a guy who's been a producer on other things. So despite being a visionary director, he's not a visionary producer. I I don't even want to get into this discussion. He's like you, you, you tainted Guillermo del Toro by throwing Zack Snyder into that, that same well. Uh, We're not, we're not having this discussion right now. Um, But no, I, I don't think he's the type of person to lead the entire DC universe in, in a trajectory. I don't think like, I think he's very good at, uh, meticulously doing small things, big pictures where he always seems to get lost. And I mean, and, and that's very, I think evident in man of steel and this, like, um, the way man of steel ended, I don't think he was going for, um, you know, I, I think he backed into basically the opening of this movie. Um, as, as far as the, oh, well, I'm going to have Bruce Wayne, um, you know, th- take this 9-11 imagery and use that as his catalyst for hating Superman. Exactly, yeah. They, like, Warner Brothers wanted to make, and we'll we'll put an article in the show notes about this, Warner Brothers wanted to do a Batman versus Superman thing for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And even whenever this was announced, it felt shoehorned. It thought, okay, well, we're going to get a Man of Steel sequel. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we're going to get a ba- Batman in the Man of Steel sequel. Oh, we're going to get a Batman movie that that's a sequel to a Superman movie that Superman's in sometimes. Yeah, but it's not a sequel to a Superman. And and then we're also going to put Wonder Woman in uh, Doomsday and all these other things in it as well. So yeah, I kind of feel sorry for Zack Snyder because I don't think he wanted this. Warner Brothers was actually wanting Christopher Nolan to be Mm -hmm. kind of the Kevin Mm -hmm. Feige. And so naturally Christopher Nolan was like, no, I want to make Interstellar and Inception. I want to keep making movies. I want to make movies. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you. So it's just baffling to me that they've had these properties this property DC since the seventies mm-hmm. and yet they've never been able to find their own Kevin Feige and Disney just does it in a matter well, of I months. Mean, I, but I think, you know, 10, 15 is spe- certainly 20 years ago, or I mean, I, it's been nearly eh, not quite 30 years for, um, since 89 Batman, but it's, it's been a while. Like, 
at that time though, I don't think there was an idea of this interconnected universe, you know, like, Oh yeah. Th- that's a different era. It seemed like DC was coming out ahead when Batman begins. And then really the dark Knight, you know, came out and, um, was like this, if that that's the dawn of the gritty reboot thing, which mm-hmm. then kind of snowballs into all of this, you know, Marvel kind of rides on the back of that a little bit. They say, let's, let's make it cheerier and fun, but comic books are a commodity. We can, we can make and sell an Iron Man movie. I mean, that seemed like, I don't know if you, how you felt at the time, like uh, the idea of an Iron Man movie seems so ridiculous before it came out mm-hmm. of just like, it's a character that I remember from my childhood, but like, well, it's not, a, he's a B level character now yeah. that he's been raised up and he's, his movies make more than hit Iron Man three opened higher than Batman and Batman, Superman and wonder woman. That just goes to show you how incredible what, uh, what Disney, not just Disney, but Marvel studios yeah, has yeah. done. It's unprecedented, but, but to the, the thing of him with the keys to the kingdom, it, it really worries me. I don't think he's the guy to guide it. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what David Ayer does with, uh, Suicide Squad. He's a director that uh, I have I have liked more often than not. So uh, we'll see. It's you know that's an ensemble cast that seems a little unwieldy to me. Um, and I think there's also let, let's go ahead and say like from here on out, let's go ahead and say spoilers. You okay with that? Yeah, sure. And um, we'll we'll see where where this conversation. So goes. everyone dies. <laughs> uh, so I think there's a lot of. Or I think, okay, so if I'm going to give Zack Snyder any credit at all, um, and and I'm probably reading way too into all of this, but it seems like there is a lot of illusion in this movie to what we're going to get in perhaps Suicide Squad, perhaps a standalone Batman movie. There's a lot of, um, with the way this Batman, like they're clearly making um, ref- him and Alfred, played by Jeremy Irons, who, how did you, how did you feel about him? Uh, it, what's Jeremy Irons doing in this? I mean, he's great, but does it? Does he have nothing better to do? The poor guy. He's, he's an Oscar winner. Same with Holly Hunter. These are Oscar winners. These are some of the best actors alive today. What are they doing? They're, they're in. They, they're it, looking it, at jars of piss. It could, it could have been worse. It could have been. It could have been what they did with Amy Adams in in Man of Steel. Lois Lane was given nothing to do in in Man of Steel. At least she was given something to do in this. Um, but then like, it turns out to be, that's just, a, that, that's just a MacGuffin and you don't even really care about this, this bullet that right. she's chasing around. But, um, there, you know, they talk about, you've been doing this for 20 years and then there's the whole, the bat suit that has the writing on it. There's the burn down Wayne. Well, it was the Robin suit. Oh, it's the Robin well, suit. No, the implications that Joker killed Robin. Oh my gosh. Okay. Mind blown. I, I didn't even realize that that was what, okay. It's, it's so dark. I just assumed it was a bat suit. No, the, the, well, um, it's, it's actually even darker than you thought it was. The implications okay. that Joker okay. killed Robin. Um, and then, and then Wayne Manor is burned down. So I imagine like if they're smart, they're going to set up. Well, something. yeah. Key phrase there if they're smart, but at the same time, like you said, with man of steel, he just happened to trip yeah. into yeah, yeah. his story for this. And that's the thing. That's kind of my issue with this entire thing is we're saying Zack Snyder's the, the mastermind, but he's really not. It's just different directors and different writers doing their but, thing. But he is the Kevin. I mean, you look at, he is producing every, well, he's movie. producing, but he's producing, he's like the guy there, but it, I really do think Warner's issue is that each individual film we're going to see more and more is their Splinter own thing. Its own. Yeah. I honestly, I'd be okay with that because you know how I feel about comic books in general and my Batman. Like I like my Batman kind of messy. I like, and I mean, from a standpoint of like, we, we can explore this, we can explore that, we can explore whatever. Um, so I don't know. I'm to, to answer the question about, uh, my question to you about, uh, about, 
uh, Ben Affleck. I'm interested. I'm intrigued to see particularly what he does with a standalone Batman. I, I'm not sure about him directing it. That's the, honestly the thing. That I would actually, of, well, see, that's the thing is he's a, he's a better director and writer than he is a, an actor. I would almost rather he write it and direct it than act in it. It's it, only time will tell, but I'm, I'm intrigued. I will, I will say this. I'm very grateful after seeing this movie because, you know, CrossFit's a really big, uh, a really big <laughs> workout. Now, now we have the, the bat flick workout, which if you want to go toe to toe with Superman, just hit a tire with this sledgehammer you, and you'll get in good enough shape to take on Superman is the take. Well, you me. also have to have that, that power suit that he has. Yeah. And, I mean, I mean there, there's some other, there's some other things things um i do it's one of those things do you even crossfit that's not what people are going to be saying anymore do you bat flick if you bat flick you're ready to take on superman uh, so okay let's just let's just dive into some of the the, the yeah we'll, we'll try and be professional because we followed the Zack snyder approach um okay i described this going in as grim and joyless since we're in spoilers right now i was genuinely upset and unnerved and kind of angry whenever the senate exploded and they just killed all those people casually um that seemed way way excessive see i i thought initially initially i was surprised and delighted at the stakes they were they were creating Mm -hmm. and then i realized whose hands this was in and that it wasn't going to have like literally the point of that was like oh hey look superman did it like there's nothing beyond that that they were trying to do. It's it's the 9-11 imagery, which you mentioned a second ago. It's just there to try and lend gravitas that this movie hasn't earned. Well, and, and here's the thing that's weird about Zack Snyder and his relationship with Superman. Um, I tried to find this, like, over the past week, week and a half. Um, I remember an interview with Zack Snyder or a featurette or something with Zack Snyder where he's promoting Watchmen. And he says, well, if I was going to make a superhero movie, this is the superhero movie I'd want to make. You know, Batman's impotent. Uh, the world kind of hates Superman, all of this. And he's basically, I mean, his Superman is kind of Dr. Manhattan. He's not Superman. And as much as I don't care for Superman as a character, like this doesn't make him any better. Well, and and it's still disturbing in that regard Mm. that you take this iconic American figure and you turn it into something that's it's polar opposite. The way I would describe it is I think what Warner Brothers has done. And, you know, again, they're following the money here. What Warner Brothers has done is they look at how Game of Thrones is doing. They look at how Walking Dead is doing. They see that, for lack of better words, cynicism and apocalyptic overtones are in. Mm -hmm. But they're applying that to an area where it doesn't apply, which is Superman. Even Batman isn't this, isn't this nihilistic. You know what I mean? And so if I were to, I would describe what bothers me about this movie and maybe the tone of the the franchise so far and going forward is that this is a world that does not deserve to be saved and a bunch of characters who aren't capable of saving it. And that's not my my, that's not the reaction I want from Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. I don't want to feel like they're beneath me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That morally, they're beneath me. Well, there, there's also something to the you know saying it's a world that that doesn't need to be saved. Like it I doesn't think, deserve to be or saved. doesn't deserve to be saved. Like I think he's trying to do something also that is somewhat reflective of our world. But a he's doing it pretty pretty casually, pretty like. It, it, not 13 year old boy not view very, of the world yeah i mean it's just 13 year old boy view of the world much like when he tried to make a feminist movie <laughs> called it called it sucker punch and it was rapey as hell um but it you know it's the the thing that i like about the dc universe is it's all and i i think i talked about this when we did our, our batman 
talk a while back. Like it's all in proxy, like Metropolis and, and Gotham, they aren't real American cities. They're proxies. For, mm-hmm. And he seems to be trying to root it too much in reality, like where it's not even, you know, there's, there's a veneer other than the fact that like, you know, Chicago and Manhattan aren't across a lake from each other. Like, they, Well, and let's, let's contemplate that for a second. Cause yeah, Metropolis and Gotham are right next to each other, uh-huh. apparently in the Snyder verse, which means that you have two cities that ha- are probably close to 10 million people right next to each other. Yeah. Can you imagine like the sewer situation <laughs> there? That's uh, no, no wonder Cobblepot, uh, you know, was able to thrive. He, he just, yeah. But yeah. Cause apparently I'm, does that mean the Christopher Reeve metropolis was right next to Burton's Gotham? This is just, mm. uh, it's too much to think about for me right now. Yeah. It's, uh, it, like it, it's only like, I don't even know why it was necessary. Do you, I mean, I guess because they, they had to turn that, that battle into uh like, Oh, I'm right over here. Um, just I laziness. I mean, it's, it's just, one of those things. Just, I, I think again, I, I'm get, I keep going back to this. It's the 13 year old boy thinking, well, how are we going to solve this problem? Oh, okay. They're right next to each other. Done. Moving mm-hmm. on. That's what it felt like. Gosh, there, there's just so much, there is so much in this story that it's just like, you could have, you could have done effectively the same thing, but made it more interesting and it, they just didn't even. Well, maybe that'll all be in the ultimate edition, the <laughs> ultimate R rated edition <laughs> well, DVD. D- did you see like him talking about it? It seemed like it was just like, oh yeah, there's an extended scene here. You know, that time that Batman kills a bunch of guys, he kills more guys. Well, um, okay. You have a quote here in the show notes that yeah, I think yeah. that's a good, a good transition as any. Okay. So this is, this is a quote from Zack Snyder. Yeah, it was a little more like manslaughter than murder. Although I would say that for in Frank Miller's comic that I reference, he kills all the time. Yeah, so end, end of story. Here's what I admire about Zack Snyder is for as much crap as he's taken, he's he seems like a pretty smiley, pleasant like, guy. Honestly, that amazes me. It actually it, it's actually creepy Zach, now that I think about Zach it. Zack Snyder, he's is is he this might be going too far. Is he the George W. Bush of directors? Like you would want to hang out with him. <laughs> you want to have a beer with him, but you don't of... you don't want to put him in charge. Well, but you think of like somebody like Michael Bay. Michael Bay doesn't like you and me. You know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. he would say as much. He but he's also he is he is really good at what he does for these, like as far as action direction, he's terrible at story, but he's really good at action direction. And so you don't think that, Oh, okay. I don't, I don't think the action in this is any good at all. I mean, the car chase scene, terrible. The, the, the scene where Batman just murkin people, it's fine. It's okay. It's probably, I mean, I, I did, I will say I did enjoy the, the doomsday fight. Um, no, that would that was solid stuff. And I'll also say this is we were talking about Batfleck. I don't know if this is Zack Snyder or Ben Affleck or both. This was the first time whenever Batman running towards a bunch of criminals, he's running towards like 10 criminals at some point in time. Mm-hmm. I actually thought he looks like a big son of a bitch. I think he's going to take them all out. Ben Affleck is just a big dude. He, yeah. Again, well, Ben Affleck, that, and, a Ben Affleck. And they and they beefed up that suit, too. Um, yeah, but so, he is he is so a, he looked yeah he looked like a train running yeah. i mean hitting tires must be good for you yeah well and you know that's that's my favorite bat suit so i i was happy to see it It just like it, it seems like everything like there's a lot of elements here that i like they're just mostly wasted i mean like uh the lois lane like lois lane i was so happy to see her like actually being a journalist at the beginning of this mm-hmm. and and she's going through doing all her investigative journalist stuff and then you find out like literally has nothing to do with the plot of this it is just a and and it's it fits into that whole thing that i was talking about with lex luther being the um, mastermind but not really being the mastermind like there's something to like and maybe it's in the ultimate director's cut yeah. that comes out but the, you know this this bullet clearly links to lex luther and blah 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 but like 
it just that that just dies. That storyline just dies, and she becomes a damsel in distress by the end. Yeah, it's just here we're going to do a story to get to what you really want to get to. And what's funny about that is the movie is called Batman v Superman. I would even argue their fight was the same thing. It's a transition scene to yeah. get to the final fight. No, it, it absolutely is, and there's no. It's not like it's it like I in the middle of the fight, like when the or actually when the fight just started. Um, I I'm thinking because the the whole thing is like there's it's basically built on a misunderstanding really um, <laughs> a really bad misunderstanding yeah because we're in spoilers uh, Lex Luthor says well your mother is going to die if you don't go kill Batman and bring him back to me and so he doesn't you know he doesn't say hey guy let's let's talk about this he like they, well they he both, does, he gives an honest try but Batman Batfleck is he's just an angry guy and 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 that's like in in my notes I I kid you not there's a line that just says if the were women this fight wouldn't happen and it would be over and ma kent would be saved right now like it's it's just that sort of asinine it's the 13 year old boy like well oh. actually speaking of if these were women wonder woman how do you feel about wonder woman i'm really excited about the wonder woman movie. i don't know how you feel i like i she she is given everyone okay so the dialogue throughout this movie really bad a lot mm-hmm. of the time like um and she has some kind of corny lines but i'm pretty excited to see what happens with wonder woman that uh han zimmer junkie xl theme song like i've been i've been listening to that thing on repeat it's so good it, like, it she's always had good themes when you think about it because the 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 linda carter theme uh-huh. song that's great i mean wonder woman she's always been blessed by good themes uh but no i'm really excited about wonder woman especially like it's it's a the wonder woman movie is supposed to be like a world war one film right like it's sort of a period world war one or two i can't recall um, but one or the other like, yeah that that excites me so i'm excited about wonder woman um we'll see what happens yeah like, we'll see i was actually pleasantly surprised because gail gadot she is a a model mm-hmm. and the only other film she's been in that i'm aware of mainstream films are the fast and the furious wherever she's just kind of a background eye candidate right, right and so i was kind of thinking well this is just a Zack snyder casting you know a good looking good looking you know supermodel is wonder woman mm-hmm. but no she uh she it's a character that demands a lot of gravitas not only wonder woman itself but being able to be there with batman and superman mm-hmm. and she i mean i would say she steals her part her scenes from them yeah and even i mean i think they tried to sort of do like a bruce wayne selena kyle thing with her initially like in the, in the sort of cat and mouse thing mm-hmm. um i think she kind of comes out on top in that between the two of them like there there's a, like i don't know if once again bad dialogue but it like i don't know if they meant for bruce wayne to be really bad at like a like i was kind of excited that he's like doing detective stuff he's kind of a bad detective like like lex luther totally sets him up and and not that they like address it but if you look at it right totally sets him up and he's not even like oh hey that was super easy i was thinking of this the other yeah i was thinking of this the other day is you they 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 base this they say they based on dark knight returns but what made that final fight between batman and superman so compelling is you had two fundamentally good guys who very much disagree about the nature of justice and so that's what they're fighting it's a spock kirk thing except like they they don't understand why like you needed you needed at least one movie to get to this arc exactly whereas this movie it's just yeah they shoehorn it in Mm -hmm. since you don't have that build up it's just well, you killed a bunch of people. Oh yeah. Well, mm. I'm going to have to kill you because they're going to oh, kill my boy. mom. That um, that quote from Superman, when, or yeah, from Superman, when he comes to Batman, and he's like, 
Uh, next time they turn this light on, how about you don't show up? And the bat, he's dead. <laughs> Varsity blues. So bad. Like every, and Henry Cavill is terrible. Um, did you, did you see Devin Farachi's review of this movie? I haven't. I, I think he referred to him as a plank of wood, which is totally accurate. Like there's some, there's some really bad. It's, I think it's worse, worst when, uh, it's, him and Lois Lane trying to have any sort of relationship. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, well, and that's shocking. No, you're absolutely right. That's shocking to me. Cause I always just was under the impression British actors were just always good. Uh And Henry Cavill may be the exception. He's so bad. He's so bad. And it's like, it's definitely partially the dialogue, but but a good actor. I mean, Christopher Reeve in Superman, the movie, it's dated in many ways, but he's saying, I stand for truth, justice in the American way. And you're like, okay, hell yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. he's, that's what he stands for. I yeah, buy it. This is just, I don't, I don't know. Okay. Let's, let's talk about, uh, Jesse Eisenberg just really briefly. So knowledge bomb. I was talking to Adam Chitwood about this, um, about like, um, a, a friend of mine had said like when that, that I saw the film with, when we walked out, he was like, Jesse Eisenberg was kind of doing like a Jim Carrey doing uh, Edward Nigma in Batman Forever thing. Did like, you yeah, and I yeah. already talk about this, or did I no. hear it with some? I th- okay, I heard it from someone else. Then. I, don't, I don't think someone, so. Yeah. Unless, unless uh, you, you, I don't think so. No. Yeah. Um, but uh, Chitwood was like, no, actually, I'm pretty sure he was doing a Max Landis impersonation, and like that was that was the direct mm-hmm. intention of like let's let's be a dick about Max Landis and his whole uh, the death and return of Superman thing, which. I don't like. I just don't know how to comprehend. Like, why would you even make that creative decision? How petty! <laughs> I mean, so, can, are they really that? Pe- and they may be. You're making honestly, you're making a movie be. with a quarter million dollar budget, and you're like referencing this internet video out of like it's it's such a grudgy well, sort of okay, thing. Well, it's such a grudgy sort of thing, but it's one of those things. This movie, despite the money it needs to make, how big it needs to be, it still feels very like we talked about. It's for a very very small audience. Mm-hmm. It's just people well, who people who are amused by Batman and Superman fighting, which I wouldn't even say are you and me, you know, for the most part. I could be amused by it. But, if it, if but I proper wasn't here. Let me, let me ask you this. How, was it, how did your audience reply to, or respond to this? No cheering, no anything. They just watched it. That's, I mean, same thing here. Like I saw it actually in an advanced screening, like on a Tuesday night before it came out. And the guy, when Batman and Superman were fighting, the guy next to me was like on the edge of his seat, really into it. But there was no, you know who got the biggest cheer? Wonder Woman. Both times, like yeah. when, when the photo is revealed and then whenever she comes back, I think partially because that music is so badass. <laughs> See, whenever you first started doing that on face or on Twitter, whenever uh-huh. you first started doing that, I thought, I don't know if he's kidding or not. <laughs> I was not kidding. It's so good. Like I, I it's just like, that's, that's going to be like my, if, if I was like in, you know, the double a baseball league, that's what I, that's what I would come out to. Yeah. Okay. Um, we could talk about this ad infinitum and I think we already have. So let, I, there's a few what ifs I'd like to play okay. before we get Let's out of here. It. Um, Christian Bale was supposedly offered more money than is presently in Fort Knox to play Batman. Christian Bale's Batman in this movie, a sequel to the dark Knight trilogy. How do you feel about that? No, 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 no. Christian Bale's Batman does not exist in this universe. Cannot exist in this universe. That makes his Batman Nolan void. No. Yeah, not not Nolan, not Nolan Void, but yeah, well, no. it makes it Nolan Void. Yeah, but I mean, because like the whole point of his Batman is he exists in a real grounded world. Right. It would it would completely and, undermine yeah, everything. And, and, and that's the other thing to my point earlier about like trying to make it too real. Like when you have because the DC like cast of superheroes are kind of goofy, cartoony characters. Mm-hmm. You need to you know you need to a have a little bit of 
levity and, and some fun, which you don't have here. And you need to have like that, that removal. Um, Bale's Batman and Nolan's Batman works because it exists in its own vacuum where those other superheroes don't exist. Right. They're not He's even just a dude. Yeah. They're not even comic book movies really. Yeah. Whereas this is a comic book movie, but it's, but a very, very grim one. Okay. Other what if I'm really looking forward to this one, we've talked about the ultimate rated R edition. Let's, uh, let's just hypothesize on some of these rated R scenes. We think were cut out. Okay. So I, I think like, this is honestly like a 50, 50 chance as far. I mean, just from the, the coverage that like the scene where Clark Kent comes home and, <laughs> and, uh, Lois Lane's taking a bath it might be a nude scene. Like, and, and I wish I was joking, but legitimately with it being Zack Snyder, it might be just like, Oh, here's boobs because no. I can, yeah. I, I mean, this is a, I this is a PG 13 comic book movie presumably for young people there's a lot of boobage there yeah i mean it could also be that we get another uh affleck you know just letting it hang out he, he did it in <laughs> he could do it again here after he fights superman at the end of the movie <laughs> he, he goes, goes to uh, he, he goes in the shower actually we haven't even talked about the ending superman dying obviously he's not dead okay yeah so i have i have a big problem with just the way this movie concludes and not even from like a story standpoint literally like a, a, a uh a technical standpoint. So um, he's Zack Snyder's trying to borrow from um, Christopher Nolan in the darkness and everything, but he doesn't really borrow from him in, in as far as Nolan's Nolan's whole thing, particularly in the, the Batman movies, there's, there's a lot of montage, a lot of intercutting, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of his, there's, there's always momentum to his movies. And you know, that can be something that's criticized. I think you, you may have even criticized it when we talked about Batman begins a little bit. Okay. Maybe, but yeah, it feels like it's not, not a huge, but you know, it feels like it's moving, Mm -hmm. you know, at, at a pace. You don't get that at all with, Snyder when he attempts to do intercutting at the end of this he he does the opposite of what Nolan is doing instead of saying okay I've got these three scenes that I'm going to intercut and we're going to advance plot he says I've got these three scenes I'm just going to cut them in pieces and they're still going to like instead of it being a two minute scene now it's a 10 minute scene because it's happening with these other yes like you go back and it's still like putting dirt into the grave look at the look at the ring look at the ring the The rare occasion in which the montage actually makes the sequence go longer which i guess is the whole Zack snyder thing his whole like he loves speed ramping and slowing stuff down i don't know also wait can you explain to me what the the whole thing about he sent the ring here because he wanted it to be a surprise what does that mean I guess he was going to eventually eventually uh, one of these just days? take her to Kansas and and say hey you want to get married there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was actually honestly it was uh, once again it's just a shoehorn scene to create sadness. Yeah. What what did you think of the, of this ending? I mean, uh, did you uh I mean, it was it was par for the course, you know what I mean? I, I kind of would have liked it if they didn't, even though it's not ambiguous, Superman will obviously come back. They kind of had the dirt shake on the mm-hmm. on the crib, mm-hmm. but I didn't really see the point. It's one of those things they just wanted to do a death of Superman thing. And like everything else in this movie, it wasn't earned. Yeah. Had it been earned, it might have meant something. Okay, I have, we can close out, I have one more hypothetical to, to send one more way. Okay, perfect. Okay, so the uh, the nightmare scene, the as I like to call it, Batmax Fury Road. I was about to say, yeah, please be more specific because I would say at least 30% of this movie is a dream sequence. <laughs> um, the you know, the, the whole like clearly they are in a they are in a fight and there's um, discussion and I haven't read the source material that this may or may be pulled from, you know, mm-hmm. like when I when I read my Batman, I read. 
you know, story arcs, not, not full blown. So I don't know everything going on here, but, um, there's hypotheses that perhaps, um, this is foreshadowing to where they are taking the justice league, which once again, like giving Zack Snyder a whole lot of credit for forethought, who knows if, if they're actually, if he's just like, well, that's a cool thing that I saw, I saw a panel of, and so I remade it or yeah, maybe give it, give David Goyer. David or Scorey, the credit perhaps, for thinking perhaps. ahead. Yeah. Um, but, ooh, um, but there, let, let's say that that is a future where mm-hmm. Superman has, for some reason, become sort of a bad dude, a pretty bad, like, Nazi, Nazi dude with bug thugs. With who's got the ability of the bad guy in Indiana Jones and the Temple yeah, of Doom yeah. to rip people's hearts out with his bare hands. Yeah. Um, so let, let's say that that's, that's in the future. Um, they, they have that sort of ambiguous discussion of, um, you took her from me. You did this. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think he's talking about? You took her from me? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I guess the obvious answer would be Lois Lane. I don't know how. I think he betted Ma Kent. You think so? They, they, they had a little. It is Ben Affleck. They, they, it is <laughs> Ben Affleck. Affleck. They also, they had a little thing when he rescues her. Like there's a moment where I'm like, oh, oh, Bruce, well, Bruce, they watch were, out. They were you in, guys uh, are already... they were in Hollywood land together. So, I mean. I haven't seen Hollywood Land. Yeah, nor have I, I but I mean, who knows? Like I said, it's Ben Affleck. But uh, I, I would like to think that that's like, that's that's the type of Bruce Wayne we're getting is that he's like, he's hunting, he's hunting his friend's moms and uh, he, does, he doesn't even care. And it's going to, yeah, it's going to really drive us. Exactly. Great them. idea. Sleeping with Superman's mom. Yeah. Not, not uh, good Dave, call. David S. Goyer, you can, I, I know you probably intended Lois Lane. You can take that and run with it because I want to, I want to see, uh, I want to see that relationship build. Well, I mean, with Pa Kent being dead, I mean, she's a lonely woman out there on the farm. Bruce just flies his bat wing oh, in there. God. and that, 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 that Pa Kent scene was totally unnecessary. Yeah. We, again, nothing. this is a movie that I would like to do a Mystery Science Theater 3000 review <laughs> as, opposed to, as yeah. opposed to this. Maybe one day. It would, it would make it a lot more fun. Well, whenever we do do that, what will we be drinking? Is it a lighter beer that will make you feel like a man of steel or is it a very strong beer that will give you a very dark night? <laughs> Well, uh, well said. Um, I guess I'm going to go with it. it's the former. It's a lighter beer that'll make you feel like a man of steel. Um, my, my recommendation is Stella Artois, which is a, a beer from Anheuser-Busch InBev. And here's here's the thing about Stella. There, have you ever seen a Stella ad? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. They they act like it is just like the the most decadent beer. It's you know it's so hip and just like it's something don draper would drink they mm-hmm. they want you to they want you right. to believe that it's it's this euro trash lager that's masquerading around you know it's it's punching way above its weight class um trying to like pretend like because as far as belgian beers go it is like it's like the bud light of belgian beers it doesn't even qualify like it's not even a it's not even the same style as what you typically think of uh mm-hmm. belgian beer you know it's a pilsner and a pretty bad one at that it's um I mean, it, not the worst beer I've ever had. Um, I would probably drink it in a pinch as long as I don't have to do it out of that stupid chalice. Um, but not a beer I'm ever going to like pick up for any particular reason. Like even if like a case of this stuff was cheaper than uh, than a case of uh, I don't know Rolling Rock or uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Not gonna. You feel very strongly about how much you dislike Stella. Yeah, I am. Um, and and that's to say that it's not the worst beer I've ever had, you know, much like uh, 
Dawn of Justice, like, I honestly, I Man of Steel is worse. I didn't like Thor as much as this. I would watch this before I'd watch Thor again. Yeah, I mean, it it it's, it makes you feel like a thirteen year old boy for good or for good or evil. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing with the Stella. It's a uh, it's it's a good beer for thirteen year old boys because it's pretty low point. It's uh, or for, or for their or for their middle aged middle class moms who mm-hmm. clearly buy into the Stella, yeah, the myth yeah. of the Stella. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice is currently playing everywhere. If you've seen it, tell us your thoughts at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. Or if email isn't your thing, we'd still love to hear from you. Ring the red phone and leave us a voicemail as Max Landis at 484-424-6362. That's 484-4CINEMA. Or if you're feeling really ambitious, why don't you just put the War Starts at Midnight symbol out on the clouds and Chris and I will respond to it by going to the top of a building. Are you? I'm sure you're down for that. Next time someone turns this light on, just don't show up. That that was that was dead on. Well, stick around, folks. Chris and I will be back after the break to discuss endless summer. It's been ten years on this pavement, and I finally caught a dream. If I'm honest, it's a terrifying thing. Cause I feel crazy taking pictures. In the year of our Lord, 2016, Anno Domini, the first official day of summer is Monday, June 20th. But that's according to the Gregorian calendar, and, well, who follows that archaic nonsense, right? No, if you're an insatiable consumer of American popular culture like us, you know that the definitive marker for the turn-in of the earth is the Hollywood calendar. In which case, the start of summer movie season this year is March 25th, when BVS DOJ was released, or was it February 8th when Deadpool came out? Yeah, you got me. More and more, summer movie season has no beginning and no end. It's the Alpha and the Omega. Every season has a blockbuster tentpole, which would be fine and dandy, except Hollywood Land is a place where the only signed decision makers follow are dollar signs. And if one blockbuster makes money in March, or October, or January, well, pretty soon every studio would be clogging the calendar with big budget tentpoles. The potential of an endless summer is not only possible, it's probable. So Chris, I'm sure we both agree that the endless summer is an inevitability, and an unfortunate one at that. So here's my question. How all-consuming will this become? Must we suffer through 17 comic book sequels a season until Thanos or Apocalypse or Darkseid mercifully comes to destroy our world? Uh, I mean... I mean, are you, are you looking forward to it? <laughs> It's, uh, we'll, we'll see because this movie, uh, came out pretty, I mean, Batman vs Superman, pretty critically panned, still made a lot of money in that first weekend. It made it, well, here's the thing is not, not to, not to get uh, internationally. Yeah. yeah, International. Well, that's the thing is international markets are making the difference. There's going to be a new Terminator movie because it did so well in China. But, um, yeah, 
it it did well, but considering it's Batman and Superman, it did it didn't do as well as Harry Potter, the last Harry Potter, and only did a little bit better in March than one of those uh, the Jennifer Lawrence thing. <laughs> the uh, Jennifer Lawrence thing, the, the Hunger Games, Hunger Games. Yeah, it only did a little bit better than the Hunger Games. <laughs> but Hunger Games is a good example though, because I I think those YA movies are beginning to kind of falter. The the last what Insurgent or Divergent or whatever the <laughs> the last the last of those. <laughs> the Ant, yeah. Shana Woodley, um, Allegiant, I believe. Uh, sure, there you go. Um, that one did so poorly that. Uh, they, I forget who the studio is, but they recently announced that they're drastically cutting the budget of the next one. See, I thought um, you were going to say they weren't even going to do it. And even though I, I've never seen these movies, I have no affection for them. I kind of feel sorry for all the little teenage girls who'd be heartbroken by them not making well, you another. Know, they they should have turned out in droves. But, yeah, they should have shown up. But uh, I, I mean, here's here's the thing. I part of me hopes this is just a a weird trend or, or that we're, you know, we're, uh, adding a little bit too much to, because I mean, honestly, like Deadpool, Deadpool's not a summer tentpole, um, movie. No, I Deadpool is an anomaly. Yeah. Um, so, in, in more ways so than one. that one being where it is, I think it's whatever. I think something other than a, you know, two of the biggest superheroes ever, coming out in in March that's also going to be tough to really you know it's it's sort of like uh you know James Cameron with Avatar releasing it in what was it September and October no no it was, um, it was a December release actually was Avatar it December? Was, yeah okay um the the, the fall winter whatever mm-hmm. like when when you typically wouldn't um it worked because it's a James Cameron movie and it's you know all of these like mm-hmm. i i think you still have to have a little bit of weight behind um, to to pull that off. Well, do you think there will ever be a point in time in the not so distant future in which, much like summer movie season, where every weekend is a new big budget blockbuster? Do you think that'll ever be the case where it's the entire year, or I, at least the majority of it? I mean, I I think that's really optimistic for the Hollywood system as a whole. To be perfectly honest, like it would be it would be good because honestly, I mean, because like. Uh, it would help then the, the movies that I typically like to turn out to that aren't going to pull in as much, but can be made because, you know, you've got these tent balls holding up, but I don't know, man. I mean, that, that landscape looks pretty rough for, I mean, at least from a domestic um, standpoint, uh, it, it, things are going more, like you said, like uh, what I think world globally, it made three times more than it did domestically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this Batman versus Superman. So, um, Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my answer. Yeah. Next time you see your that symbol in the sky, just don't answer it. Yeah. Um. No. But the it it does seem like it's getting it's it's getting tighter and tighter, and not just in uh honestly not just in like the the summer tentpole movies, but also uh this past December was packed. You know the yeah. the Oscar bait season was just packed to the gills with stuff coming out November through December. Well, and that's a different, that's a different beast entirely is because much like it's it's, it's the other, it's the other side of the coin. Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. The other side of the coin, the title of the special features may actually be inappropriate. And I was thinking of this earlier today is I'm not sure we'll have a situation where there's an endless summer so much as I think we're going to have the death of summer. And what do I mean by that? Is you're going to have a you're going it's going to be people are moving away from summer because they're saying summer's too crowded. So I'm going to release my movie in March instead, or I'm mm. going to release my movie in October instead. 
Well, because the situation with Batman v Superman was they were both booked to open the summer in May, Batman v Superman and then Captain America mm-hmm. Civil War. Mm-hmm. And then it was going to be, well, who flinches first? And Warner Brothers decided, well, we want the month of March to ourselves. Wasn't I? I can't remember what it was going up against now, but didn't uh, didn't Avengers do the same thing? The first Avengers, yeah. I I don't think so. I mean, it, maybe, it, maybe it, it came out in like late April, right? The am first I, Avengers is early May. Early May. Okay. Now, Captain America, the second one. What what one was that? Winter Captain Soldier. Winter Soldier. Captain America. See, it's it, it's one of those things. They're all just running yeah. together. Um, Captain America, Winter Soldier. That was October or April, excuse me. Okay. And then the Fast and the Furiouses, I think, are also more and more in April. There was there was something around that time where it was, you know, a you know somewhat big movie, but they they push anyway. I I have no facts to back up what I'm talking <laughs> about, so we'll move on. Um, let me ask you this, like. In in a world where we have a tent pole every weekend, like is that? Do you think people still? I mean, do you think there's an audience for that? Because then it doesn't become a special event. Anymore. There is, but only if they add four X theaters and you can smell the marijuana. <laughs> you can turn up the rain dial on that's, your seat. That's the only way. You know that that's another the, the horror movies. I think would do well. I think stoner comedies would do well. Yeah, too. stoner comedies in that, in that in, context know, in Colorado and Oregon, where they can Washington. afford. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, they don't need to do it there because they have the it's for, oh, it's you know legal there. They would need to do it in some place where it's illegal. I, I guess, but I, I mean, in a place where it's legal, then it's like a communal, you know, sort of. And everyone. that's yeah, and that's the point. Whenever Dark Side comes to the Earth to destroy us, and we absolutely deserve <laughs> it. But to answer your question, I think what's happening is just more, less and less people are going to the movies. Overall, the trend lines are going down. There may be anomaly years like 2016, but overall, or excuse me, 2015. But overall, the trend lines are going down, and so theaters are. Theaters and movie studios trying to get them back in the theater. They're making bigger movies, and then they're doing more investment in the theater-going experience. That's so tingle. Exactly. Well, no. I honestly, I think it, it goes hand in hand. Yeah. I no. I I agree. I mean, the whole like we we haven't really talked about this on the show, but the whole like theater reclining seat revolution thing. I I, I think love I've, it. I think I mentioned that before. Surely um, I've complained about it. May, before. Maybe <laughs> maybe you have. Like I do. I like the fact that you can like if you plan ahead, you can be like, I want these seats, and you can bypass the twenty minutes of trailers. Like I try to roll up like through the last half of the last trailer if I can. Like mm-hmm. I feel really good when when that happens. But other than that, there's not much that I like about it. Um, honestly, I, and, and there's, we have a kind of crappy theater, the quote unquote crappy theater still has, you know, the regular seats, uh, the, the, the Hollywood promenade. I kind of like that experience. Like, well, no, that's it. what you cannot with, with the, with the situation you're talking about, the, the pre-ordered seats and the, mm-hmm. the recliners and things like that. You cannot do the, oh, I think, well, what time is it? I think I'll go to a movie this yeah, afternoon yeah. or I'll just roll up to the theater and go to the box office and buy a ticket. Cause I've been in a few situations where I've gone with somebody and we can't sit together yeah. because we've been, you know, we're separated. I, I actually went to see, I think it was Fury with a friend and we ended up accidentally buying the handicap space mm-hmm. that wasn't a seat. It was just the space where a handicap chair goes. And so I think we ended up moving just to the very front row. It's a good thing that was you saw Fury because it had been a movie where there were more people that would have been very. No, it was packed. It was. It was. Packed. Oh, really? Fury? Yeah. I'll be damned. Yeah, asses to elbows. Okay, and well, been that's out another for like thing. Is month, month and a half is is because of this they sell more for the seats and these in the theaters have less seats in them, mm-hmm. so they get sold out much more easily versus back in the day. 
and I say back in the day, it's like two or three years ago, yeah. whenever it's just regular old stadium seating, theaters weren't all that crowded. You could this, you, this is you. You do realize we've gone way off course, but this is the natural evolution of this conversation. No, absolutely. I mean, and you know, as long as we're here, how do you feel about home theater system? Since that's the enemy, <laughs> the enemy is home entertainment. Um, I. What do you mean? How do I feel about home theater system? Look around you. Look at all. Well, look, okay. All these. Would you, if you could afford it, would you put a a theater in your home? Yeah, absolutely. But I, it also wouldn't replace uh, the movie going experience. Um, I mean, there's so much about seeing a movie with people. There's so much about like just there's there's I, I love the communal aspect of seeing movies, which is why, like, I don't even mind seeing a movie alone. I, I fly solo to children's movies all the time and I, I don't get arrested. Um, <laughs> the tingler. They, that's what that's say. The police go to get <laughs> <laughs> wow, you took this to a dark place. Um, but you know, there's there's something about you know that that audience experience that I I still like. I don't you know I don't know what the, what General Joe Schmo wants out of it, but uh, no, there's there's for me there's something to uh, going to the the movie that you'll never be able to get from a home theater experience, no matter how good it is, no matter if Quentin Tarantino is your projectionist showing you, you know, Steve McQueen's own personal, that would actually uh, having to watch a movie with Quentin Tarantino would make it worse. I think no matter what, I think it would make it worse. Mystery science theater, the crap out of whatever it is. Yeah, just a bunch of knowledge bombs of movies you've never heard of, and yeah. it just make well, you feel what, insignificant what, what because I was, of it. What I was going to say is he apparently has Steve McQueen's personal copy of Papillon, which apparently has like an extra reel or two. And um, apparently, I mean, this is Quentin Tarantino, so hyperbole, you know, aside, whatever. But um, he said it's like an extra reel or two, and it's all just extra Steve McQueen uh, scenes. That were cut. That's uh, you know that sounds that sounds both Steve McQueen esque and that sounds Quentin Tarantino esque. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. a, that's so a hard, perfect situation. It's hard to tell who's who's lying here. All right. Well, I'm gonna try and get this back on topic. Okay. <laughs> so, what what do you think would be hallowed ground to you if if a blockbuster was was released at this point in time? Is there any point in time that it would bother you? Um. I don't think so. I mean, we've got, we got, we got a movie, we got a children's, uh, what should be a children's movie that you cannot really take a child to see on Mm. Easter. Like that just happened. Well, and you know, what's interesting about that is this, it's kind of like 10 years ago, whenever it was the weekend, not that, you know, they obviously anticipated this, but the weekend that John Paul II died was when Sin City came out. So the juxtaposition, uh, it, 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 this is the first time it's happened. Um, but you're absolutely right. Does it, cause it feels kind of weird to me. It's still cold out. You know, the weather's, mm-hmm. the weather's very strange here, but sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's hot. When I saw this, it was cold, but it's seen a summer movie when it's cold and there's just something the the psychology of it is off. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like if if this came out in January, it would be kind of weird. It would be really weird. Like January, especially for you know for the Midwest, it's like, well, we're finally going to get that that weird art house movie that everyone's been raving about, and we're going to get a whole bunch of trash. And um, so to get something like if we would have gotten Batman vs Superman like second week in January, that would have. That would have sort of blown my mind, and I would have even even more the even more than the movie already did. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't I don't think there's necessarily hallowed ground, but there is. Um, we we need a break. I mean, I I'm I've been looking forward to like what our schedule is going to look like for the, for the summer 
because I mean, we, we try to, you know, mix it up and do as much, you know, the, the populist picks as the, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that at least I want to see a little more than I don't, I don't know about you. Honestly, um, the, I, I don't want to see Ghostbusters. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, because of my duty as a film journalist, but I mean, I don't, <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm really like, I'm already exhausted from, from well, what Batman v Superman is a hell of a way to start off. This is the entire summer movie season in one yeah. movie, in yeah. one thing. So many emotions, so many, so many like conflicting emotions, and then so much sensory overload. Yeah, is the same thing. So this is it's probably the worst way to start off the summer, or well, it's you know still spring. The worst way to start it off. Yeah, I think I'm gonna gonna go into uh, blockbuster hibernation <laughs> for a little bit. Well, that might be, yeah, I, and I guess we've got a month before it gets going again, because I believe it kicks off with uh, Iron Man, uh, or excuse me, Captain America Civil War. Yeah, yeah. And you know, th- this is kind of irrelevant to the topic at hand, but trailer talk. You saw, <laughs> did you see the new one with uh, Spider-Man? No, I I, uh, I haven't. I'm like, I, I'm at a point where I don't really care that much about, I don't know, I should be saying this, but I don't really care that much about Civil War. Like each trailer I see, my expectations down, go yeah. lower. And even, even though Spider-Man's in it, I don't, I don't want to see it. Well, it did. You're probably right on that because it looks like the 1970s Spider-Man a little bit. The costume just doesn't look like it's, they put a lot of effort at, into it. At least it doesn't look like Italian Spider-Man. <laughs> I haven't seen that, you don't but know well, okay. show, notes, show notes, show notes, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, he also, Tom Holland, he's 18 years old. We've discussed this before on the show. 18-year-olds today sound like, look and sound <laughs> like 12 years olds. And so you have Spider-Man saying, hey, guys. And I'm not I'm not exaggerating. That's what he does. He's like, hey, guys. And it's, yeah, it's going to be a long, hot summer. Peter, Peter Parker is going to go through puberty right in front of everybody. Well, Chris, um the summer may be endless, but I think we've said all we can say about the potential of the entire calendar being occupied by the summer. Yeah. So we're going to take it to our listeners. How do you feel about the potential of there being a blockbuster every weekend? Is it something that you're looking forward to, or do you view it with dread? Let us know at hello or starts at midnight.com. Also, tell us which film you would love to see in Quentin Tarantino's own personal uh, screening room. Email us. Hello at war starts at midnight.com. That's kind of a Rorschach test. It is. That I'm not sure I want to know what the what the results are. You're gonna find out a lot about a person. <laughs> Stick around for our really rad recommendations coming up next. Stop my Saturday the right way. Playing with a ball at Steve's place. League champs since the third week of May. Feel that. While we're working out the launch chair strike zone. Go on and turn off your cell phone. Whoever needs a call, you can wait, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Thank God for the summertime, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. No cares and I'm doing fine. Okay, Hunter, it's recommendation time once again. And, you know, I'm always prompting you for a, for a monster movie. You've got to have a Godzilla versus something. Is is there a bat uh, that, that, a creature, giant, no, that Godzilla fights? Not a giant bat, no. Um, a giant Superman? <laughs> a giant Superman? No, I don't think that happens either. However, my recommendation does have Godzilla in it. Bear with me here. It's a show, uh, an online show. Uh, by Screw Attack, and it's called Death Battle. Okay, and as the, as the name implies, what it is is 
they take two pop culture characters and then pit them against each other. They give them their origin. They talk about their origin story and then basically, like I said, have them fight against each other and determine who would actually win based on, in quotation marks, science. Mm -hmm. So they look at the physics, the chemistry, the biology of these characters and see who would actually win in a fight. And so, for example, the two, the most popular video they've ever done was Superman versus Goku. And I don't know if you were into Dragon Ball Z. I, I was vicariously, like, I had a friend who was really into it in middle school, okay. and so I saw a lot. Yeah, I wasn't. And so, the, apparently, the nerd rage of that of that battle was so vociferous, they had to do it twice. Really? They had to do, they had to do Goku versus Superman the, 1 and the, Goku versus Superman 2. You just have to watch it. It's it's well worth it. Is this like Goku after he goes Super Mega Double Saiyan? And I think like, there's four. I, I, to... Well, I think there's four Saiyans, and the fourth is you turn into like a rabbit thing. This, that's going to get that's, my ass kicked. Oh, but that's uh, that's totally possible. With, with that <laughs> Dragon stuff. Ball Z, yeah. totally possible. But um, You know he had a tail? Yeah, that's what happens is, yeah, he, turn, yeah. he, he gets his tail back. Okay. But um, so... In reference to the Godzilla thing, they do Godzilla versus Gamera. That's how I found out about this. Is there's a okay, and each of these episodes ranges from about ten minutes to twenty minutes. It covers the gamut. You got Terminator versus Robocop. You got Batman versus Spider Man. You got Thor versus Raiden. It's it's basically nerd Nirvana. Terminator gotta beat Robocop, right? You just have to find out. Oh, man. You'll just have to find okay, out. YouTube Death Battle Terminator versus Robocop. It's it's a treat, and like I said, it's on YouTube. It's easy to find from Screw Attack Death Battle. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out. So I fully came in here expecting that I was going to recommend the uh, 2000 M Night Shyamalan movie Unbreakable, or I should say, after seeing Batman versus Superman. Uh, I wanted to recommend Unbreakable. The Superman, Chris. The Superman. I, I'm, I'm sorry. And then I went back and I rewatched Unbreakable. And I don't think it's worth recommending unless you want like a double feature of great ideas that turn into dis- disappointments. Um, That's the thing is, yeah, I, the the lack of uh, M. Night Shyamalan cameos in Batman v. Superman, <laughs> <laughs> where he saves the day. That's what this is missing. No, he's just the uh, he's the drug dealer in this one. Yeah, he, had, he hadn't he hadn't elevated himself to like, oh, well, I'm going to be the whole linchpin and everything yet. Um, no. So instead of that, I mean, go back and rewatch it if you want. The first like hour is pretty great. And the second hour is terrible. Just terrible. Um, so instead of that, what I'm going to recommend is actually, this is sort of on the fly, uh, something we were talking about between segments. Um, it's a palate cleanser, if you will. And it's the passion of Joan of Arc. It's a, uh, silent film from 1928. And when I say silent film, literally zero audio in this, in this movie. Um, it is a, so, you know, instead of maybe instead of seeing this bombastic, loud, obnoxious, uh, sort of uh, two and a half hour bloated film that honestly, like, I mean, it tries to hold your attention, but I was drifting by the end. I'm, I'm going to recommend this little French silent film that I think will uh, perhaps hold your attention for, you know, the hour and 20 minute or so uh, runtime. It is, as the title would suggest, uh, about the uh, Joan of Arc. And it's really it's a really amazing gripping performance from i i forget the actress's name off the top of my head but um it's it's a beautiful emotional uh very visceral sort of experience and and i i recommend you know doing watching this in a dark room in a quiet place uh where you can really just zone into it uh 
pretty, pretty amazing, beautiful stuff. Well, and see, that's the thing about silent pictures is, you know, they get a lot of groans. No, I don't want to do this. But silent movies, good, well-made silent movies, they had to earn your attention. Mm -hmm. Whereas nowadays, because of sound, CG, et cetera, they don't have to earn your attention. They just have something blow up. And as you said with Batman v Superman, it's eventually just become numb to it. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case with a good silent picture. Although I did read that they're going to make a 4X uh, or X4 uh, release of this where you can actually smell the burning embers um, before. Well, well perfect. Um, you might have just transcended me for offensive comments. <laughs> I, I think well, so. Well done, Chris Gallagher. <laughs> well, that's a wrap for another episode of War Starts at Midnight. Check us out online at warstartsatmidnight.com for show notes, weekly movie recommendations, and more. You can say hi to Hunter on Facebook or me on Twitter at WSAMPod. And if you've made it this far in the credits, let's face it, you should probably subscribe to the show on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you like to use. And while you're there, why don't you leave us a nice little review or rate us? It'll help us reach new listeners and it'll make you feel awesome. Or you can go ahead and mail us a glass of Granny Sweet Tea. We'd really appreciate mm, no, 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 Hunter. Let's not do that. All right, fine. Then just if you've been hate listening through this show, then tell us everything we got wrong at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. And if you're a narcissist of Lex Lutheran levels, you leave us a voicemail and see if we'll play it. Just ring that bright red telephone at 484-424-6362. Shout out to Ben Rector for the music on this week's show. Find tour dates and more at binrectormusic.com. Join us in another fortnight as Chris and I reconcile ourselves with a review of the Academy Award winner for Best Picture, Spotlight. We may have missed it last year, but now that it's out on DVD, find out what we think of it. Thanks for listening, folks. Now we're up, up, and away. Oh.